Hello and welcome to the League Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scarzard Scarborough, uh, and I have uh, some experts, some reported experts here, we'll find out how expert they really are, to talk with me about the state of the game. This is March 2016, for all of you listening uh, from the future. Uh, joining me today, I have the, uh, what is it like, uh, Lord of Gameplay, Lord of All Gameplay, I think it is, uh, Andre Van Roon, also known as Meddler. Hi, folks. Yeah. We have uh, Wesley Ruddle, also known as Smash Gizmo, also the best Falco at uh, Riot Games. Thank you, Patrick. That means a lot to me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then, of course, we have uh, Aiden Zyrene Moon, known for his dancing skills and uh, questionably sodium-tainted analytics. How are you? How are you doing, Aiden? I love how the saltine thing is just catching on. We just yeah. Oh wait, wait. That's the thing. People call you saltine. Saltine, yeah. Ooh. Okay, that's actually that's one of those where you feel sad you didn't make it up, right? You're just like, okay, that's quite good. So, uh, less so, Twitch. So, so guys, uh, like I said, uh, we're talking about the state of the game, and I kind of want to focus this discussion on preseason to now, right? So that's patch five point twenty two. Uh, to 6.7, I think, is the one that's going to be coming out, um, assuming people are generally kind of aware of the stuff that's happening there. Um, but, yeah, so I guess general thoughts. How how are we feeling about the game right now? Uh, I'm starting to feel a bit better about it. I was I had a, had a couple patches where I was feeling pretty down on it. The last few are starting to, starting to make me turn up a bit. I think uh, in particular, like, nerfs to, like, ZZ Rot Portal and starting to, like, tune down some of the, the particularly uninteractive top layers have made me start to like the game a lot more than I was in, like, say, 6.4 or 6.5. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's starting to get better, but it's been kind of ups and downs this season. Yeah, uh, so so more interactive top lanes. So, I, I mean, I know you play a lot of top. Yeah. Aiden, you prim- primarily a jungler, yeah. at least when you want to win. How is, how's jungling been? How's that felt like for you since the season began? Um, jungling's kind of been all over the place, right? We had Runic Echoes introduced, and people started playing Gragas again. We got that back, and now people are playing Kindred with Devourer. So you have to really dabble in a whole bunch of different things and kind of flow with the meta. Warrior, I haven't really seen too many Warrior junglers. Like, you might play, like, the really aggressive Lee Sin and stuff yeah. like that. But other than that, people are going, like, Cinder Hulk, Sejuani now, and, like, the meta just keeps shifting every patch that... Uh, I'm trying to think of like what really has stuck the entire time. It's like Rek'Sai's fallen down tier list as well. Elise, I guess, has still been up there. But yeah, it's really about adaptability. And in terms of objectives, uh, Dragon's still not really hitting the mark, in my opinion. Like, I don't think it's something that people are putting going like really out of their way to contest. And unless it's like really far down the, in like the fourth yeah, Dragon yeah, place. Right. Yeah, kind of like, yeah. And Rift Herald's really interesting because some teams are prioritizing it more in esports and trying to use it because it's at least something that you have over your opponent on the map. But I don't know if that's even just where we want it to be just yet. Right. And I mean, I, I mean, it does give gold, right? Which I, I think is the thing. Yep. It's like, ah, even if I don't use the buff super well. It's, uh, it's, it's actually an interesting amount of gold, too, because it's just enough gold that if you allocate too many people to it, it's not worth it. So if you can get, like, your support and top laner to do it or your support and jungler to do it in, like, a lane swap, then it's definitely worth it because your support's not going to be accruing any gold, right? So if you bring laners to it, so if you have, like, your mid laner and top laner doing it, well, they're actually missing enough CS that they go down in gold. Yeah, this is this has actually been kind of interesting, and let's. I think it's a good way to to bring our conversation uh, to the objectives because I think that was one of the big things from preseason. We were like, uh, you know, we made a lot of changes to towers, and we made a lot of changes to. Well, I mean, we introduced Rift Herald, right? That that the, previously there was nothing, and now there is something. Uh, Andre, how? What's your thoughts on on how Rift Herald has been playing out? Because I, I think it, my opinion, it it feels a little bit like a math problem, right? It's like. 
hard to know when when I'm supposed to go for it or or when I want it. Uh, I get really scared when I hear it screech from across the map, and I know someone has it. But other than that, it it's been a little hard for me to gauge the value. What do you think? Yeah, uh, we still really like the idea of Rift Herald as something you can contest with without your entire team. You know, particularly with your top laner or jungler plus one other. Um, don't overall feel it's entirely hit the mark in terms of you know worthwhile contesting. And as you say, clear enough when you should contest it in particular. So we're actually going to be making some changes to Rift Herald, to Dragon as well, and to a couple of other sort of smaller objectives, things like Red and Blue buff, and probably some tweaks to Towers, um, and a patch coming up in the middle of the year to sort of try and get some more focus back onto those. Yeah, so let's, so, so I guess, let's not talk around it, let's actually contextualize that real quick. There is, uh, this is what we're calling it mid-season, Yep, right? so sort of aiming to do a mid-season probably in uh, late May at a best guess. Um, and that'll sort of be a miniature version of the preseason, not as sort of big and disruptive as those tends to, tend to be, but a bundling of a bunch of changes together. Uh, we've already talked about the mage updates, which will be sort of one of the, the big cornerstones in that. Our other big focus will be on, you know, some ob- updates to those objectives. Okay, so... In, in a lot of ways, this is like formalizing something that we've been doing at a lower scope for years now, which is like the break between competitive seasons, we take a little bit more... Uh, liberty in terms of how we can balance the game. We feel like we can be a little bit more experimental because it won't necessarily, you know, ruin people's jobs in the LCS, right? Mm. It's like we can... Thank you. We can, (laughs) you know, I actually, like, feel empowered to do bigger changes. But this year, like, we're we're going gung-ho with it, right? Like, we're taking that to the next level and actually doing a lot of big changes all at once. Yeah, I I think it's been exciting uh, just to watch the process because it feels like uh, I'll just say as as a as a balance watcher, right? Like not just when uh, when I was working on design, but then uh, you know in recent years as well, it feels like we will make a big shift or we'll make a big change, and then sometimes just let it sit for a while, and it feels like oh well, maybe we wait until preseason to change the jungle, or maybe we wait until preseason, right? That that can be a really long time away, and so uh, I don't know, having a defined space to really kind of shake things up. Seems neat. Aiden, how do you feel like this is going to work out, especially heading into, what what is it, best of twos, best of threes? Uh, yeah, best, best of threes here in NA, best of twos yeah. over in Europe. We yeah, but ties. NA is, is, I believe, the only region <laughs> and, um, and the only language that we that we do anything in. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, work on it. So, <laughs> so, no, tell me, how do you... What do you what do you think about heading into mid-season, at least even being a thing? Do you think it's going to shake things up a lot? Well, I think it's going to shake things up a lot, like, you know, Cinder Hulk and Juggernaut updates did, like, coming into Worlds, where people are going to have to figure out the meta and just adapt. I mean, League of Legends, been playing it for six years now, and it's still always fresh, and I absolutely love that we keep doing these things where we update it, and it feels like a different game, and you're playing different champions, and you're trying to learn new things, and you're playing against different champions. So it's constantly evolving, and I, I absolutely love that. So I think that this is something that... Is exciting for me from an esports perspective. I want to see what people catch on to and what they do with these uh, new types of, uh, you know, if we're bringing out items, objectives, and stuff like that, and the tweaks and the champions. So I'm just overall really excited for it. And I don't know how much it's actually going to like affect best of twos and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, because it's pretty much going to be the same type of game in a series where you like adapt to your opponents, you know, pick up these new things. Outside of game, though, it's just going to change people's prep a little bit. Like, how much do we focus around Rift Herald? How much do we focus around Dragon? And, you know, it's just going to become a different game. Just like when Dragon gave gold, everybody was like, we have to get the first Dragon or else we're 2,000 gold down and we can't do anything yeah, after the that. The snowball point, has so. already begun kind of at that point. Yeah. Um, so we're talking a little bit about, you know, 
the state of the game and things we like. But I actually I want to kick it over to you, Wes, and I want to know what are some things we feel like kind of haven't been the best or things that haven't really worked out as as well as we could have hoped? Right? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess I'll start by saying like the, the Rift Herald Dragon thing. Uh, certain things about it are sort of working in terms of like Dragon feels like the long term, like, you know, late game thinking objective and Rift Herald feels like the more immediate objective. But as a whole, like I think both of those are not getting enough attention right now, and so I think that that hasn't really been working. Um, but we've kind of been talking about that for a long time um, in this podcast, so I guess I, I'd move on to, like, um, I think that the game feels uh, like a lot of the PVE elements are, like, a little bit off. Um, so, like, uh, ZZROT, Banner of Command, I think, are, are playing up a lot and are contributing to really, like, low-kill games where there's a lot of cerebral play around just... You know, the game being about taking the towers faster than the opponents rather than winning fights and then the yeah, towers are killing, a reward Killing for the man it. and then getting his towers. Yeah. yeah. I, I <clears throat> Personally, I think that that's led to a bit staler of a game and less interesting of a game. And so th- to me, that's like the number one thing is just like our game is not bloody enough. You're not rewarded for taking aggression enough. And, and people are able to just kind of passively stall out and, and just force down turrets through attrition, which... You know, I think it's okay if that's a niche strategy and you set up a big team comp for it, but it feels like it's happening every game right now. Um, and I think that that's, uh, like, wider spread than than we're used to, right? Like, uh, again, sometimes it's a niche strategy. Sometimes we see it in pro play with, like, really dedicated poke comp setups where it's, like, force them to back and then take their tower. But it really feels, like, everywhere, like, solo queue, pro games, everything feels a lot less bloody to me, so... Yeah, to me that that's the big thing. Yeah, it's, it's, go ahead. It's gonna say something I think ties in there is we've, we're seeing a number of these sort of the mixed offense defense items actually just be too optimal a choice on too many characters. Mm. Yes. That's leading to a lot more sort of survivability on some of the dudes where the counterplay should be squishy and hard to kill. Yep. <clears throat> Again, also leading to some less bloody games. You know, sort of more. Sterix and Titanic Hydra sort of being the, the big three on my mind. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I actually yeah. want to give our players a lot of credit in this because everybody's trying to minimize risk and maximize reward simultaneously, right? If I'm Zed and taking Titanic Hydra, well, my counterplay, you know, bursting me and being able to catch me isn't as effective against me. Sure, I can't blow you up as hard, but it's definitely more risky for the other team to engage on you. And same with like building Maw and Sterix on like Kindred. So I think that these are really kind of Oh, I think they're really like, smart players on the It's incredibly part. smart. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think it's something that we saw when we introduced Rift Herald, where we were like, we want people to stop like dedicating only TP to top laners, and you can only take that up there. Like maybe we want to see a little more ignites up there. And you know, maybe that didn't actually happen for us, but it was something where we were like, we want people to engage with each other more instead of engage with objectives and try to kind of play the map in a way. But playing the map is the optimal way to play League of Legends. So people are catching on to that and learning that over time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, but I, I guess like they've been learning that for a long yeah. time though. And one of the things that I think has really shifted this like in not this patch, but this preseason, this entire preseason is that or end season, um, yeah. is that the objectives that are kind of optimal to take are towers, which are very defensible, as opposed to ones like Dragon, where it's bloody team fights and it's like there is way higher risk involved in a dragon fight than mm-hmm. in tower fights. And because of that we're we're seeing again just less bloodiness, less fights in positions where it's actually even for the team. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the reward of taking a dragon in Rift Herald versus taking a tower, well, tower is pretty much the highest tier right now. Yep. 
Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I kind of want to go back to what you were saying, Andre, the the mixed offensive defensive build. Wes has already heard an earful, but this is, <laughs> this is my, this is my biggest pet peeve in the game right now. I'm, I'm like playing full tank top lane echo. Uh, Cause I'm that scumbag. I love playing the champion and I'm just like, all right, let me build all my, let me build all my AP. And then I, yeah. Oh, oh, it is quite good. And that, and that's, and that's kind of what upsets me a little bit is, is I, 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 I love dealing damage. I love killing people. And I found out the other people aren't dying. So I'm building their items and then we're just grouping and we're kind of forcing down towers. It feels real good when I'm when I'm the one, you know, with an enormous shield and kind of just base damaging the hell out of the out of the other guy. But uh, to me, a little bit of my crusade has been around keystones, actually. Like, I, I think I think grasp is a little out of line. And and I, I got to say, it feels like. Uh, the impact that the Keystone Masteries have had on our game's balance is actually maybe a little, like, undersold, I think, right now, at least in the minds of players. Yeah, I, I think they've actually been pretty meaningful overall. Yeah. And I'm really happy we're no longer in sort of, you know, League of Thunderlords, everybody using the same one. Oh, we're seeing some great variety. I do suspect we've got a bit too much sustain coming from them, though. In particular, there are so many different sustain options, you know, in multiple trees that you can you can stack together. Um, which is sort of, I think, warping's top lane especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now we're seeing, like, number one win rate right now on the 29th is Ramus top. Because before, he didn't have sustain, and sustain was something that people back in the Renekton days really needed to survive in that lane. Yeah. And now he's just a monster that stays there the entire game, and Grasp helps you scale because it affects your damage as well and rewards you for building HP. So, honestly, Grasp is kind of deceptive, and like you were saying, it's making all these champions that maybe wouldn't... Be able to live in the top lane in a world that didn't have grasp. Now they're top tier, yeah. right? So what would happen if we kind of nerfed grasp? Maybe even like, what if we took it away for a second? What would that look like in comparison? Yeah, and and this is you know I kind of want to say as as much as I'll I'll uh, rip my hair out at this exact thing. I I'm with you, Andre. I actually think uh, keystones have been really cool. I just find it's like I love fervor. Um, big Aatrox player, uh, so so I love just like diving in and then getting my my crazy on hits going i think warlords has actually been a really cool addition uh i, I know we're doing some changes to that i think right now but uh it, it's more that i feel like the differences between if you're a champion that feels like you have a keystone that's kind of works with you versus when you don't and you feel like oh, i'm kind of getting reduced benefit like i guess i'll get thunderlords because i don't have anything made for me that still feels like a pretty drastic hole in my mind yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I've been playing a lot in R recently, and I just take Thunderlords because I don't know what else I can feel good about. I'm ranged, so I feel worse about Grasp. You know, I'm a laner, so Strength of Ages is less good. Like, he doesn't have any great synergies with anything else, so it's just like, well, I guess you take Thunderlords, right? That's uh, And that feels like kind of a hole for the character right now. Yeah. Yeah, so no, at some point I'd love to sort of see us flesh out the, the Keystone Masteries a little more, get another option, ideally get another sort of Tier 3 option into each of those trees. To serve those sort of nudes, the, yeah. Yeah, the ones that don't feel they have something that really sort of amplifies their play style. Yeah, I think that the example of Nar that you were using, I think that he's definitely a situational uh, kind of keystone selector. Yeah. Because if you're going to build like Frozen Mallet and you're up against somebody who's pretty much the tank of the top lane right now, like Aramis, you're going to like take Fervor and try to chip him down and chase him down and stuff. And if you're against somebody else who's ranged, then you take Thunderlords or maybe even Grasp. So there are those champions that have kind of a, a nebulous selection. And there's ones like Nasus where you're like, I really 
have no clue what to take. And then they can even take like Storm Raiders, right? So that's <laughs> they, the answer, they, though. That, I that's, know that is the that's answer. That's the answer in my that heart is, the answer. is take Storm Raiders on NASA's. So, it just ends up in this place where do we really want each champion to have like an optimal, just 100%, this is the keystone you take? Or do we want it to be like more like the NAR, more like the NASA's, where you can actually have a little more flavor to it? Because in a way, all of them are not fantastic for you, but none of them are really bad for you. Yeah. I think, I actually think NAR is, is a pretty good example there of, you know, has choice, has options that feel at least reasonable. Um, I worry a bit about champions that have nothing that feels. Nothing that feels particularly good at a baseline. So it's more giving a champion at least at least one thing that feels decent. Yeah. Rather like, than a one thing that is must pick. Like who? Zillion. Uh, Zillion. Galio. Hmm. I feel good about nothing on Galio. Shout outs to Wes and I for playing the characters that no one else plays right now. Yeah. That's no. I uh it, it's actually interesting that you bring that up in it's I I know we're we're going a little bit deep on masteries here, but I, I kinda hadn't considered it that way that it's, you know, how do we feel about like should a should a champion's performance be tied to a keystone or something? I, I think it it feels I've kind of never seen it that way, right? It's like it's like if there was a character that only could get Storm Raider Surge because the value was too good, right? Yeah, it's like it, Ramus with Grasp, right? Right, or, or something. It's it's like I wouldn't see that as like, oh no, I don't have diversity. I'd be like, oh cool, I'm. It's helping me do the thing I already want to do. That said, I mean, we have a pretty big game. I could totally see that being the case. Or it's covering your weakness of like not having sustain in lane, right? So it's actually allowing you to kind of pass one of your weaknesses early game. It's like that's something that Warlords is now doing for a lot of AD carries. So like poke wars in the bottom, it's kind of more people are going after supports now as opposed to AD carries in trades because they're just like, well, he's got Warlords, he's going to sustain actually up, right? sticks. Yeah, yeah, it's just going to kind of heal up, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to move on to something else. <laughs> it is, it, it's definitely been, uh, but but I, I will say I, I love a lot of that, actually. I've... Uh, I think I'm kind of with you now, Wes. I, I feel really good about our game right now just because uh, even though I may not be doing everything optimally, I feel like there's more room to kind of read between the lines and come up with different builds or play things in a different way. Uh, maybe Death Dance is just broken, but <laughs> like it, it's entirely possible. Uh, but I, I kind of love finding things like that. Uh, to kind of mix and match. Did, uh, did Wes say he felt really good about the game, or did you just say you I felt feel, less bad? I feel less bad. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, all right. Well, the... I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I guess, I, again, I feel a lot better than I used to, but I would I would still say that, like, there feel like there are a lot of outstanding issues still, yeah. right? And you and I as top laners, right, like, everyone builds Iceborne Gauntlet, Sunfire Cape, Spirit Visage. Mm -hmm. Those are your first three items. If you're playing top lane and you're not Graves, those are your first three items. <laughs> yeah, generally right? speaking, like, yeah. So, uh, it just yeah, it feels it feels off to me that that something like that can go on. And also I think like uh right now we're seeing like a lack of like the, the diving fighter type guys too, right? Like Pantheon is like okay, but like then you go down the list and you're like, Okay, Jarvin Sinja, Aatrox, Vi, yeah. Nocturne, yeah. Yeah. All those guys are We've seen those dudes be pretty effective from the jungle by contrast. Yeah, somewhat, right? Most of the time they're building super offensive from what we've seen. Um and it doesn't seem like you see any of the builds where it's like Triforce into tank, right? Like or like one offensive item tank used to be a thing that people did. Oh yeah. I'm I'm just trying to distinguish between the you know, the Zinjal that murders everybody on your team with you know, Devourer Rage <laughs> yeah, Blade. Right. That and dude's doing okay. That guy's yeah, doing yeah. okay. Yeah. Versus yeah. the... People you know, out the there who are listening are like, Wes, I have seen that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> seen but, versus the Javan top lane who is probably struggling more than he should. Sure. Yeah. 
That said, I don't know. I, I did get crushed by a full AD Jarvin recently. That He got a triple kill with his ultimate oh. now, now that it is AoE. <laughs> I was like, I was hurting inside. Yeah. I didn't want to lose the LP, but... But I, I was proud of him. I was like, thank you, thank you for doing. Thank what- you for going hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was too much of a coward to pick this thing. You, yeah. you mentioned graves, which I think highlights kind of an interesting thing. I mean, we, we we've talked about masteries a bit. We've talked a little bit about uh, Rift Herald. Uh, but I mean, that, that's kind of almost the last outstanding thing from preseason, right? We updated a lot of these marksmen. We we changed around items quite a bit, and now it feels like. From my read, it feels like marksmen are doing pretty well, but we're actually just kind of seeing them everywhere, right? Marksman jungle, marksman top lane, marksman mid lane, graves everywhere, graves everywhere. <laughs> graves yeah. supports graves, love it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's the yeah first rank game I ever won in in a uh, season two was on rank it was on a uh, support graves. Interesting. I maxed my smoke screen. How many Very support graves games did you lose before you won one? Look, I, I, I got so lucky on the first one, I was kind of out <laughs> after that. I was like, clearly clearly the gods have blessed me. But, I mean, so how do we feel about seeing more marksman teams, right? It feels like in pro play as well, right? It's it's you double AD quite a lot of the time yeah. in, in some form or another. Um, I think I'd be happier with them if we didn't have items like Phantom Dancer and Death Stance and Sterex and Maw because I see so many games now where uh, I think a great example of this was when uh, I believe it was Immortals played uh, Cloud9, and Wild Turtle was able to just build last item Maw, and you can't kill him at that point because he's just got Maw, Sterix, he's Callista, he's life-stealing, double life-steal with Runans, and there's absolutely no way to kill him uh, with the team that had been selected. So these are things where I think where we have AD carries with too much survivability, and AD carries by design were supposed to have less survivability. And I like, think Graves with his quick draw is a big offender of this. That thing has so much armor and magic resistance on it, and it's pretty much hidden power that people aren't really respecting. I believe it is what is 120 at max stats. Yes. Is what you can four get that stack at max range. Yes. Yes. 120 armor and magic resistance. Yes. yes. Yeah, so uh, it can stay up the whole time. At yeah. least one person <laughs> out there just spit out their water. Yeah. It's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah you, whoa. you said it was 40. Yeah, it stacks. I'm sorry. It's yeah. the rest of the sentence. So, I so I, I guess getting down to the meat of it, you know, they're two, they survive a little bit too much and if that wasn't the case i'd actually be kind of happy with it i think that it promotes people playing things like lissandra i think that tanks with pick like nautilus become more effective and with backline access it becomes more desirable so we've seen quintop we've seen graves top we've seen these guys in the jungle we've seen mid corky we've seen mid graves so i think that the diversity that we're seeing there uh is great because now zed's back right and he can kill these guys in the mid lane so honestly i think that this keeps the uh kind of the rock, paper, scissors of our, of our game to continue evolving because people are like, okay, I picked the Corky. What's the answer to that? All right, that's the Zed. And then people are like, well, what's the answer to the Zed? How do I counter that? And it keeps people thinking and it keeps them on their toes. So I like the evolution because it's something we haven't really had except for like season one where people are like mid lane ash. So yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's fun. I'm really happy to see the variety between different marksmen we're seeing here. They're doing different things. They're mm-hmm. playing in different ways, which was one of our big goals there. Um, I do think we've got some individual individual characters, sort of Quinn, Quinn Graves and uh, Corky, who are just a bit too universally good in multiple places um, that you know we need to bring a bit more in line. It also feels a bit, a little bit unfair if you're not a marksman to play it, that that bot lane, usually, or at least that duo lane, is locked to a marksman slot there with support. And at the same time as we've got some more marksmen into other positions, that we'd get a lot of value from getting some other characters into the bot lane. So you know, if you're running Corky mid or Graves top or whatever it be, Cool. Can you get a mage down in there, you know, farming with a support, that sort of thing? 
Mordekaiser. Give me more Mordekaiser. So, I, I'm like the one mm, like player that I sort of love the variety Mordekaiser gives the games, but I think he's he feels like a really forced way of doing it. Eh? Yeah. You have to go there because your W tells you to, as opposed to, hey, if you're a mage player and you want a duo lane, here are some items that'll make sense for you. Here's, here are some, some keystone masteries that'll support that. Here's a way you can be that tower killer for your team, that sort of thing. You talked about uh, being able to kind of flex things in champion select. I think we're seeing more flex picks than ever right now, yep. and people are being able to play things in so many different lanes. I, I've heard stories about in scrims, because in uh, LCS, we lock it in at 20 seconds, and that's what your your picks are. That's the order they're in. Yeah. People are swapping just to counter back and forth. So it's like, is that Lissandra mid or Graves top? And then, like, what do they want to play it into? Because people were flexing, like, Nautilus top, Nautilus mid. So, like, they're just going back and forth, like, which one, which one? And they just kept doing that over and over again. Because we're seeing so much of that now. I actually, I'll say that's one thing about this season that I really like in particular. Uh, especially in the playing against case, right? Which is, it, it feels weird to say, but uh, last night it was, uh, the enemy picked Nautilus, Trundle, and Graves. And we and we didn't really know. We were we were like, oh, okay. And I'm last pick top lane, and I'm like, okay. Well, I don't know who's going in which position. I I don't know how to tell. And I was actually like, you know, I'm looking at all my room pages. I'm like, okay. Well, I would want to pick this character and this thing if it's Trundle, but I don't want to do that if it's Graves, right? And then I I ended up trying to uh, go for one. And I completely guessed wrong. It, it was Trundle, and I got oh. smashed. And I was like. You know what? That was actually kind of cool. Like it was, no. really, and it was really <laughs> smart on them to kind of work together to figure that stuff out. Uh, I think you know, let's, let's if we do, you know, uh, end of the year or or sometime in the future, get a mage in there. I'm I'm down for the mind games to keep going. All right, I uh, think it's exciting. Yeah, I kind of want to jump back on the uh, the conversation of having some t- like a mage in the bot lane, right? Because we've seen Nautilus mid, we've seen tanks in the mid lane now. Because when they're really too powerful, they can go anywhere. Uh, we're seeing the AD carries in different positions, and. I think in professional play, it's different than in solo queue because in solo queue, when I queue up, I consider myself mainly a tank player, right? I'm going to play a tank top or I'm going to play a tank jungle. Uh, And that's really like you define yourself by lanes and a style, whereas I know people who play burst mages, whether they're playing top support, you know, sometimes they'll play Zyra or they play mid lane. Uh, And then it wouldn't really be so much I'm I'm an AD carry player or a marksman player that will now transition towards playing mages on the AD carry role. Uh, It's going to be I'm an AD carry player and I'll play AD carry bottom, mid, or top. Or I'm a mage player who mained mid before, but I'll play in that bot lane if I want to. Uh, And in professional play, that's going to be kind of different because it's going to be those players are locked into those roles. You're not really going to have your your AD carry player and your mid player uh, like actually swap positions you do it in game at that point right we'd still call you the mid laner we'd still call you the top laner yeah uh, so yeah. It, it actually sits in a very strange place where we haven't really done anything uh to this level with the bot lane before because that's been the lane that's been support ad carry for a long time now yeah i i think it's it's interesting to see because i think when we were when we were working on mordekaiser right it was we almost kind of didn't know if teams were really gonna take hold of it and because you know there was there was the issue of well uh they were they were qualifying on a patch where they couldn't play mordekaiser Mm -hmm. right uh and then it's like okay well reckless and sneaky and wild turtle seem to be really taking to it immediately but some other people weren't really taking to it and so uh i mean in the end the character was too powerful right but you had some teams that were banning it because they just couldn't play it themselves they didn't really know how to and i you know i i do imagine what a world looks like in the future where it's something like, well, what if, you know, what if we just had our tank player or our mage player do that 
and you just take your role somewhere else? Like, does it, you know, does, mm, does Doublelift I, always play in a duo lane? I actually think we sort of saw this years ago when Assassins first started to be a big deal mid lane. You know, we saw uh, professional play shift from a, you know, mid, mid lane as a mage player to... Oh, yeah, a, wait, you used to be can, called the AP carry. Exactly, right, that, to that's, can your mid laner play an Assassin? To yeah. nowadays where if your mid laner can't play Assassins, you probably don't have a mid laner. Yeah, right, I mean... I think every role outside of marksman, or every position, I should say, outside of marksman has this expectation already, mm -hmm. especially at the professional level. If you're a top laner, you're expected to be able to play, you know, Scion, you're supposed to play Lulu, you're supposed to play, right? Like, you're supposed to have a broad range of characters that you yeah. can play. Same is true of mid, same is true of most junglers and supports as well. And marksman's the one where it's like, they all fall pretty neatly within deal a lot of damage at 550 or more of range with their auto attacks, right? Yeah. And so if we start getting more diversity there, I imagine pros would adapt. They always adapt. And so I think that, you know, we've seen that, you know, over and over again in pro yeah. play. Especially for Huni. You'll just... <laughs> yeah, no, you'll just murder everyone. Yeah, it's just, uh, get the magic eight ball of champ select and just... <laughs> what is it? Top lane Callista? You got Perfect. it, buddy. I mean, he wanted to change to AD carry when he first came over here, remember? Oh, no, I did not so, know about that. Yeah, he did, he did. He wanted to change to AD carry, and then Rainover was like, no. And so their coach is like, hey, Graves is good. You're, you're <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay, well... <laughs> the well, dream is happening. Well, well, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So, uh, I mean... Let's let's focus a little bit uh, more of the conversation on on the today game, right? Like the right now, because I think I think we have a good view of like how things have kind of been going. Uh, are, what are the problems that we see with the game that are really unsolved as of right now? I know we were talking a little bit about tank itemization, kind of in the top lane, and, and some homogeny there. Uh, I know uh, one that has been a, a an ongoing conversation is what the state of movement speed in our game is, right? It, it feels like it's uh, I, I mean, a couple patches ago, it feels like it hit the the, the peak, yeah, right? Boiling have, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. you, you the thing I'm looking for. Yeah. The, the, the boiling alacrity, point. Swifties, alacrity, runic, runic echoes, echoes, giving ten percent or something. Yeah. Is that mm -hmm. is that something that we're worried about moving forward? Is that going to be an issue? I mean, we keep muting it, so yeah, for sure. Um, like, uh, there are a lot of things in our game that are tuned around what we expect characters' movement speed to look like. For instance, like skill shot hit abilities, like the the most standard thing that you can think size of. Size of the map. Yeah, size death of the map, death timers, everything. Right, like that impacts so many things about League of Legends, and it's probably in our best interest to keep that within you know certain bounds. And so you know, we nerf the movement speed on Runic Echoes. We probably will have to continue to nerf the movement speed that people can get from items just because when it hits that boiling point, right, it's just like, well, you can't catch Ud here ever, and he's yeah. on all three of your lanes at once, mm. and, you know, it's yeah. just like, or, or we've like, seen like, what it happens. You know, or like Cocoon ceases to be a skill shot because yep. the speed at which Elise can close on <laughs> you is, like, more than you can expect a realistic champion to be able to hit at that point. Yeah, and we're seeing, like, dead man's played as well on people like Elise, and I think the big thing about movement speed isn't the fact that it it exists uh, in our game in just like large quantities. It's just how is it, how much is it accessible to people? Because it's all relative, right? If my if I don't have Swifties and he does, then he's going to catch me. Even if it's like just a forty difference, it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, and given, that's given enough really time about, and enough right? space, right? The the person will catch right? up like, to you. I'm not you really concerned too much about like the size of the map and stuff like that. It's more of like the relative movement speed of people compared to each other and how how accessible it is to them. Because we see people like Elise who could get like two, three items that had so much movement speed on them, and then she's just like running around and her spider form had more movement speed on it. So it was like, yeah, those are the big problem the cases, especially right? has been problematic. Yeah. Um, I think there was 
overall, I do think excessive movement speed does impose quite a high cost on our game. Mm-hmm. There is one benefit I'd call out in that it can narrow the difference between characters with sort of dashes or blinks and those without. Yeah. And historically, we have seen you know characters without those effects sort of really struggle to compete. Yeah, and you know, access to items like Dead Man's Plate or Boots of Swiftness or Runic Echoes has empowered a bunch of champions that have previously really struggled, and that has been cool as a as a benefit. Yeah, you you actually called out uh, you 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 skimmed over it, but I want to refocus it. You you mentioned you know we're talking about move speed being a kind of nuanced thing that can subtly affect the outcome of a lot of fights. Uh, something that is not so subtly. Uh, settled the outcome of a lot of games is those death timers you're talking about right we we uh made some changes i looked it up today it was 523 was uh you know making people stay dead for longer during the mid game right it it you're you're fine in the in the beginning and you're fine at the end in terms of what people used to be aware of but uh it feels like it's deciding a lot of games right now do you do you agree with that do you not agree with that um i'd agree it's deciding a bunch of games to some degree, that's, you know, desired and intended. You know, we do want uh, particularly sort of mid-game fights to have some decent significance to them in terms of, you know, ability to take objectives after a fight. Hmm. And the addition of Home Guard has also, you know, given defenders a lot more ability to get back into the fray, so some degree of death timer offset. Sorry, universal Home Guard, I should say. Yeah. Um, having said that, we are also seeing a few too many games where team wins a single fight, cleans up an entire lane of towers, mm-hmm. and the Nexus Towers and the Nexus... Um, we're going to be looking to some death timer changes to target sort of that that thirty to forty five minute period in particular. So five second death mm. timers, <laughs> home guards on at minute ten. Yep, and that no cooldown on teleport. Uh, special game mode. Special game mode. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's called never ends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the tricky thing there, right, is that this is actually a really complicated math problem with tower durability, death timers. Mm. Like, also a lot of it's about like uh, how far the map has already progressed and where the team fights are happening, right? Like, uh, part of it's the team fights are happening on towers rather than at dragon, and so that ten seconds to get there is also also offset. So it's just like. There's a lot of stuff that's making it so that when, you know, two or three people roll over and get hit by a a light binding and then die, right, (laughs) like you just lose the game, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that are different about that scenario now than there were like a, a year and a half ago. So, you know, we are keeping an eye on it and we're trying to like lightly tune things all the time and, you know, hopefully be able to make some bigger strides in the mid season on that. But you know that is something that is on our minds is like the higher level problem which is like games are ending too fast and like you know on people rolling through three towers all at once rather than you know the game slowly progresses or not slowly progresses towards this but you know like having distinct phases right yeah i mean games ending too fast or too suddenly too suddenly yeah Mm -hmm. sorry yeah that's suddenly is a better word yeah suddenly for sure because games ending too fast i mean we're we're moving to bo3s man i can't i can't do that (laughs) three hour long games in a row yeah the the 80 minutes the dream times three um uh but i actually want to look back to why we even did this in the first place, right? Why did we increase or decrease, sorry, increase death timers and decrease how effective towers were? It was mostly because we were seeing things like Gragas, like Ziggs being able to stall a whole game out and Azir as well, right? And now when we see those champions, they aren't as oppressive because we've taken a lot of the uh, uh, kind of accessibility to defense away from defenders where or I guess the strength of their defense, right? It's much harder to break a siege now, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because the threat of a dive is much higher and it's much easier to do. Yeah, I think this, I mean, it sounds almost as if the things we're describing, uh, it's almost like they're all linked in some way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because it's like, 
uh, towers are definitely weaker, right? But yeah. when you take uh, champions uh, like Alistar, right, or you take almost every top laner and you outfit them with the <laughs> most durable combination of items that you yeah. can get for the cheapest amount of gold, I think that is a thing that says, right, where in the past it's like, okay, Azir's taken over that mid lane. Mm-hmm. That tower's not going to die if I get up to it, and I have no one on my team that can pose a threat to it. And it kind of feels like we're almost now seeing the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Right. That's why we call it balance, right? You're going to swing one way, the other, you're going to try to go back and forth and find that happy medium and eventually find a place where it's like, this feels really good. And we sit there and say, okay, but, you know, we're never really completely complacent with these things. And we'll be like, okay, how can we make this more interesting and upset the balance in a way? Like, I feel like we do that a lot where we're just like, this is too stagnant now. Let's shake it up. Yeah, we, don't, we don't want a knee jerk, certainly. Yeah. Um, the other thing, yeah, as you touched on there, Patrick, it's not it's not just death timers that are causing a lot of the the things people are observing. You know, there's sort of a really easy thing to point to as those are long, therefore X, Y, and Z. Right. But I saw the l- number 50 as they took the Nexus, exactly. therefore that is the only problem here. But I'm also, you know, even if I'm respawning slow, I'm getting back into the fight quicker. Right. Or, you know, other stuff, you know, strength of Baron buff and so on. There's a lot of, as you say, interlocking pieces and reacting too heavily to just death timers. You know, therefore doesn't seem like the correct solution to mm-hmm. to fix the specific problems we're seeing right so so uh before we wrap up and we head out of here i i, I kind of want to get your sense on we talked a little bit about midseason but but what are what are kind of our bets moving forward what are some things that you would like to see more personally or, or things that, that you think the team is really looking for to say that like you know we could come back in a couple months and be like this is better or this has progressed or something like that how, how do you feel uh, for me, we've actually touched on most most of the really big ones. The seeing teams seeing early conflict over neutral objectives, I think, would be huge, both in terms of you know more interesting early games and really sort of restoring some meeting, some meaning to those objectives. Um, Long term, the major stuff we've already talked about, yeah, you know, opening up bot, uh, the duo lane, just as a sort of huge source of of extra variety game to game. Right. West, do you have do you have any bets moving forward? <laughs> Uh, so for bets, I, I, I don't know. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's, huh, I feel like I'm flubbing yeah. here real uh, hard. A wish list, maybe? <laughs> uh, wish list Pantheon for me buffs. is, yeah. yeah, Pantheon buffs are always on the wish list. Um, in terms of bets, I, th- I think that uh, objectives are, are always going to be what it comes back to, objectives and pacing. Like, we, we keep heart- coming back to it, and there's a reason. Um, I, I just think that... Uh, that is one of the biggest things that we need to work out, and it would just feel better for everyone if we can get that into a happy spot. I see. Aiden, do you feel the same way about objectives? Do you have anything else you want to see? Uh, make Jarvan great again. <laughs> yeah, hashtag make Jarvan great again. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, uh, is if, if, if Grasp the Undying gets nerfed in the next three patches, this will be my favorite time playing League of Legends since launch. Echo's good, Scion's good, Kha'Zix is good, no one bans Alawi. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I'm higher rated than Smash Gizmo. Uh, oh, it's the golden I age. I don't stop reminding him. <laughs> it's it's really a fantastic day to be a League of Legends player, I have to say. No, but yeah. uh, I appreciate you guys coming out and taking the time and talking with me and the rest of us, uh, us being the nebulous voice that I give to the people that live inside my head, uh, about... League of Legends and the balance within. Uh, we'll definitely check back in a couple months with uh, any of you if you want to uh, and talk about that. Uh, so for any of you out there who were listening to this, uh, please like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, give us your firstborn, get a tattoo of the names of the people on this podcast. Whatever you do, 
uh, when, when you finish listening to one of these. But seriously, leave us comments. Let us know how we're doing uh, and ways that we can improve and make this a better experience for you. So that's, uh, oh, I think something else. I don't know. I forgot. I was, I was going to say something else.